to Ghoulish Tendencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim. And we are two paranormal investigators who delved into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases of Moida ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. Debunking indeed. And today's actually going to be a great time for debunking, I feel like. <gasps> Oh, I love bringing a topic to Kim Douthit that actually has like a significant amount of research behind it, but also mm -hmm. could be scullied real quick. Like, <laughs> we'll really see how this goes. And I cannot wait. I've I'm excited. Been waiting for this all week. So um, that's what she said. Truly, she did. I heard her. Um, <laughs> so our topic for today is. Past life memories, a.k.a. reincarnation. Ooh. And it's kind of a hot topic. Like, this is something that a lot of people talk about. I've heard about it for mm -hmm. many years. I don't think we've ever really talked about it much. Not not a whole lot. No, I mean, uh, yeah, no, I don't think we've ever, it's ever really come up in many of our cases. And it's weird because there's some, like, hints of, like, paranormal activity involved in it too so i think it's sure, sure 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 it's definitely up our alley and i'm really excited to explore this today and kind of give a little bit of an analysis of how this came to be a thing mm -hmm. but there's a lot of information that we can actually dive into from a research perspective with this which is cool um but a lot of it has to do with like what happens after death which we talk about all the time all the time and Energy can neither be created nor destroyed, right? So uh -huh. the ultimate question is what happens when we die? Where does our energy, our personality, our memories, all these things, where do they go? Like that is the ultimate question that people have been asking for freaking ever, right? There's past life memories or reincarnation, kind of one in the same, similar. The mm -hmm. philosophical or religious belief that a non-physical essence of a living being starts a new life in a new physical body after death, which is also considered rebirth or transmigration. And I'm going to give a lot of credit today to um, a particular person, Dr. Ian Stevenson. Have you heard of him before? Name rings a bell. I think uh, I think one of my journals has some articles from, potentially. Probably. Yeah. He actually was, like, pretty into parapsychology. Oh, um, yeah. Then, then probably because I have all my, my stuff from the British place that they send me. Yeah. Journals it's, and it's magazines. And absolutely involved in that in some way, shape, or form. But he was actually a former professor of psychiatry at the University mm -hmm. of Virginia School of Medicine and mm -hmm. the former chair of the Department of Psychiatry and Neurology. So Ooh. we're talking like real science, <laughs> like real life educational science that can be proven. Huh. Um, and he actually dedicated a majority of his life to finding evidence of reincarnation. Evidence. Evidence. How did I skip over that? What I was is like, wrong girl, with me? Girl. Girl. Evidence. 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 Of reincarnation <laughs> until his death in 2007. Okay. And he actually found over 35 
hundred cases of reincarnation in his studies, and about wow. fourteen hundred of them resulted in the identification of a previous personality. He even published them and wrote a book heavily referencing all of these things. And I'm actually going to be referencing this particular book Hmm. in this episode. So Dr. Stevenson is our friend. We're going to talk a bunch about him today. Okay. So he basically was able to identify and confirm the actual deceased person that children with past life memories claim to be in their past life. So he basically provides tangible evidence, evidence, evidence of the study of death, which is kind of cool. Ooh, that's really cool. But before we even get into it, that's our kind of like overview of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Influences are important. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of cultural and religious influences that come before science. So we just started out talking about science, but, you know, your culture will dictate a lot of the things that you believe. True. And phenomena that is now considered paranormal were actually accepted without question back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like all the things we talk about when we're talking about um, legends and lore and how people thought that things were real, like in general, whenever sure, we talk sure. about those things. Mm-hmm. But specifically with reincarnation, it was just kind of accepted that this is how it was. And there were actually a number of philosophers, including Plato, mm-hmm. Schopenhauer, McTaggart. Broad and Dukas, they all have taken reincarnation very seriously and actually argued on its behalf. So this goes hmm. pretty far back. Yeah. And although Hindus believed in reincarnation for several thousands of years, there's actually no trace of anything corresponding to a more modern case of the reincarnation type in India until the beginning of the 18th century. And since then, It didn't really get any action until the early 20th century. But per usual, we say this a lot in a lot of our episodes when we have like documented things and not documented things that just because it's not documented doesn't mean it didn't happen. Sure. Um, And so, you know, especially since reincarnation has kind of been taught by word of mouth and culture for so many years, the actual written documentation of it might not correspond with what is actually being told. Uh So word of mouth is a big thing. We're talking about cultural things. But let's do a little pivot toward the scientific, the post-scientific world. Scientific pivot. We're going to call this scullying in the West. (gasps) Ooh. In the late 19th century, there were a handful of scientists and scholars in England who began to actually discuss the possibility of obtaining evidence... Evidence. Evidence. Of survival after death through the collection and analysis of data with methods that were more customary in other types of science. Uh Ian Stevenson, our friend that we talked about earlier. So Ian Stevenson actually began his exploration into reincarnation when he went to India in 1961. Uh And he spent the next, like, bulk of the next 40 years studying a bunch of cases, which he referred to as cases of the quote-unquote reincarnation type. And this resulted in the book that I was talking about that I used heavily for research for this episode, and it's titled Children Who Remember Previous Lives, A Question of Reincarnation, which you can find wherever, also in our show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, And he did, like, 
an ultimate deep dive that would make Kim Dalfit very proud. Ooh. Um, I will say this. Today we're not going to talk about everything because this will be a very long episode. I was going to say there's a lot to cover there. There's so much. Um, and if you really want to, you know, dig into it, I encourage you to find this book and read it. It's really interesting. I actually like really enjoyed reading it. Um, but he began by actually evaluating how paranormal phenomena is studied, which I also Ooh. thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be real scully right now. Investigators usually study paranormal phenomena in two ways. One way is observing spontaneous phenomena as it happens. Uh -huh. <laughs> we're like talking about ghost hunting here. Like you watch it as it happens or two, obtaining reports from other people who experienced something. I'll, uh -huh. uh, I don't know, doing an interview and asking sure. someone like what was their experience, right? And this is a quote. By means of experience, scientists can control circumstance and vary them so that when they interpret their results, they can often confidently exclude explanations other than that of some paranormal process, end quote. Mm -hmm. To Scully, if you will. Yes. This is just a fancy way of saying, hey, yo, we got to Scully. We got to, like, disprove until we can't disprove anymore. Um, and most spontaneous experiences that relate to death actually don't occur obviously in a lab or a laboratory where it can be studied. Sure. Um, so that's why, hence the telephone game can be very strong and not necessarily studied in the perfect environment. Right. Right. So, sure. and that's how stories shift and change. Mm -hmm. So it's good to remember that when we're talking about this stuff, but what mm -hmm. survives after death is I think what is in question here. Right. Like, what, if anything, survives? The uh -huh. human personality, memories, things like that. Like, we don't know. So in, in many of the cases that Stevenson studied, the details that the children gave were found to match the life of one particular deceased individual uh -huh. who Stevenson called the previous personality. Uh -huh. And the Oxford English Dictionary actually defines the word personality as, quote, the quality, character, or fact of being a person as distinct from a thing, personal existence, actual existence as a person, personal identity, that quality or assemblage of qualities which makes a person what he is as distinct from other persons, end quote. So the ultimate question is, can that actually survive past death? And if so, how would it be measured? So the belief of survival of personality after death diminishes the grief of mourners and, you know, the family of those who await their turn to die. So a mm -hmm. lot of people can even project that this still exists to, you know, make grieving not as bad. Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely been a thing. Um, evidence. Not evidence of the persistence of memories will provide the best and perhaps the only indication that a particular person has survived the death of their body. So having said that, these memories are what need to be evaluated. And so when evaluating something like this, we have to consider the potential for serious flaws in a testimony, mm -hmm. uh, a la <laughs> telephone game. Um, sure. And there's actually other things that are considered during this, like telepathy, clairvoyance, 
hypnosis. There's all different kinds of ways um, that you can get this information. And then there's also reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And there's a fine line of communicating with the dead or the past. Um, the difference between an apparition with memories, a ghost, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, and a living person with memories of another life mixed with the development of their actual life as a new person, plus influences of how they were raised in this new life are two very different things. Mm-hmm. Um the mediumship and psychic communication with the dead versus the living regarding past lives, it's apples to oranges. It's not the same thing. So that's something to also consider when we're talking about, like, where you're getting this information from. Are you getting it from a reliable source? And also, sure. what is the context that has to be taken into consideration, which I don't think a lot of people talk about when they talk about, like, children who have memories of past lives. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're right. So... Before we get into the children and past lives moment, I just want to briefly brush over clairvoyance, telepathy, and apparitions, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though we love an apparition. Then we could talk about an apparition all day. Hmm. Um, but they definitely play a role in the relationship of afterlife communication, if you believe, if you will, mm-hmm. um, if we can prove it's not dust. <laughs> sure. <laughs> But that would be an entirely different episode if we did that deep dive. So we are not going to go down that rabbit hole today. In Ian Stevenson's book, though, that we were talking about, he gives multiple firsthand testimonial examples of people who have experienced cases of inexplicable clairvoyance, telepathy, Mm -mm. and visions of apparitions that are attempting to communicate with a loved one. Now, here's what's interesting. This is kind of like a little fun fact moment that I thought you would appreciate. Mm-hmm. The sources are so legit that one of the stories came from a dude named Hans Berger. He Ooh. discovered electroencephalography. Okay. We could talk about that another time. Um, and his sister interpreted his thoughts as he had an accident and then communicated it to his dad, who then telegraphed him to make sure he was okay. And he hmm. was so impacted by this experience that he literally stopped studying astronomy and then devoted his entire life to the study of the relationship between the mind and the physical world. Oh, wow. Like, that's a big deal. Um, Yeah. And so, like, to change your entire career and life because Mm -hmm. of this experience that your sister listened to your brain and told your dad, like, that's... That's significant. Right? I thought you'd like that little story. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of fun little stories in this one. Um, and what's interesting, too, is in the U.S. and Great Britain, there was actually a study that was done showing that between 10 to 17 percent of people have experienced an apparition. Ooh. But not always visibly. And Ooh. the ultimate issue is proving it, which we are sure very we familiar love with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love to prove a ghost. But let's reel it back in and talk about reincarnation for a sec. Okay. Reincarnation offers the best explanation for children remembering the past of another life. Quote, the evidence for reincarnation, evidence, evidence, evidence. The evidence for reincarnation that we have suggests that living human beings and perhaps also non-human animals have minds or souls, if you'd like, that animate them when they are living and that survive after they die. 
reincarnation doesn't nullify what we know about evolution and genetics. It rather suggests that there are two streams of evolution, a biological Hmm. one and a personal one. And during terrestrial lives, these streams might interact. Hmm. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. So let's talk about these kids. Okay. I know you've heard about these kids before, and we'll give a few examples. Um, But I kind of want to do a quick overview of what we're talking about first. Mm -hmm. So some young children, usually between the ages of two and five, Uh talk about memories of a previous life that they claim to have lived. Uh And like I mentioned before, there have been over 3,500 cases of this kind reported alone. So, like... Imagine how many are not reported. (laughs) Very true. And at the same time, they often show behaviors such as phobias, Mm. preferences, that might be unusual within the context of their particular family and can't be explained by any of their current life events or environments. Mm -hmm. These memories appear to be concordant with the child's statements about a previous life. Past life memories for a child feel just as real as regular memories, which I think can sometimes be challenging for parents, right? Because mm-hmm. can you imagine having a kid that's like, yo, I was murdered? <laughs> like, right? Like, what would you do if your kid came to you and was like, mom, I am a grandma who really likes matzo ball soup and really prefers Broadway. Cool. You're like, I embrace it. How'd you die? Yeah. Like, I mean, do we do, is there, you know, was it solved? Is there something, is there action I need to take? Or I mean, are we just going to go to some shows a little bit more often? Cause I'm uh, game. I, I was going to say, I, I kind of pitched you the perfect child. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, can, where is this child? Can I adopt this child? Anybody um, knowing of a child that is the description that I just gave that needs a mom, let us know. Uh, Kim, not me. I don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) Must like cats. Must like, must like cats. Um, anywho, past life memories feel like regular memories, which can be really confusing for families and parents. The kid also, it's hard to distinguish what's real and what's not. Sure. And there's actually two different types of memories. And this is according to Stevenson's book that I was talking about. The first is imaged memories and the other is behavioral memories. So imaged memories are memories of events. They're represented as names, places. Uh, It's very similar to what we recognize as like actual regular memories of earlier events in our lives. Behavioral memories show a behavior that the person has no memory of how they developed that specific behavior. For example, knowing a language that they never learned. Um, They're more so considered subliminal cognitive memories. Uh And in a lot of cases of this type, child statements have been known to uh, correspond accurately to the facts and the life and death of a specific person who has passed, who almost always lived nearby and Uh usually within the same country. The lives that are often remembered are not always regular everyday lives, but they're also not like a movie star or something like that. Um, And about 70% of the memories of death are often associated with an unnatural or traumatic death. Hmm. 
older children might retain these apparent memories, but it doesn't usually last very long. Usually they stop talking about past memories after the age of six, once they start being exposed to like kindergarten, school, other influences, other focuses. Um, And since most of the identified cases have occurred in places where people believe in reincarnation, because that's another thing, Uh like a lot of people have suggested that social and cultural issues are critical factors in producing this phenomena. Uh Because the chances of having a case of reincarnation for a family that doesn't believe in it or doesn't teach it, you would think, would be less significant, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. So having said that, the young subjects of these cases have usually, they've been found all over the world, but a lot of them are in Europe and North America. Uh However, the cases most deserving of our attention are not within the Western culture. Uh It's usually within like Asia, West Africa, and tribal groups of the Northwestern, North American, and Indian variety, Uh which I could give you a list, a laundry list of all the ones that are are there, but we're not going to get into the details of that quite right now. But if you want to read that book, truly, it gives the whole breakdown. So we talked about parents a second ago. Like Uh if you were a parent of one of these kids, what do you do? Uh, It's argued that the parents' beliefs and expectations actually shape both their interpretations of their children's statements and their later memories of what the child knew about the previous personality before the individual was identified. Mm -hmm. That is something to hold on to. Because I think when we're talking about scullying something, Mm -hmm. influence is such a big deal. Like... We talk about that all the time when we're analyzing stuff. Like if you are influenced in any way, it's like when we do a, a, a ghost hunt or something, we don't want to know anything going into That's it. That's true. Mm-hmm. What, why, why do we not want to know anything going into something like that? Well, we're so open to the power of suggestion as people. It's the, it's the you know, um, some of the, the audio that goes around. I'm thinking recently there was one that was like, I don't know, Elmo saying fucking. <laughs> And, uh, and he's not, it's a trick of the sound, but, um, I'd heard about the video and I watched the video and I absolutely heard him say like fucking whatever. I don't know. You can look it up. Uh, but when you real when I, when I really broke it down, I could hear that he wasn't, but we're really open to the power of suggestion. So if you say, did you hear that? Suddenly you're like, Oh yeah, I think I did hear something. Did you feel that? It just got colder in here. Ah, I got colder. Oh, my goodness. I have goosebumps. Elmo said fuck. <laughs> Elmo said fuck. Elmo absolutely said fuck. I love this example. This is such a great you, example. You saw this, didn't you? I didn't. Actually, I did not I'm see it. Now it. I'm going to find it. I'll send it to you. And we'll, we'll post it to our show social notes? media. To our show notes. Yeah. I'm going to find Wait. I'm going to find it right now. Elmo says fuck. And uh, <laughs> I think it was Elmo. Maybe it was Oscar the Grouch. It's more in character. You know, I feel like it'd be funnier if it was Elmo, but you know what? It I'm reminds sure, me. I think it was Elmo. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So it, this was. Oh man, this was longer ago than I thought. Wow. For some reason in my brain, this happened like last month, and it happened like four years ago. What is time? <laughs> I don't even know what time is time anymore. Time has no meaning. Um, and he. It sounds like he. Oh no, it's Grover. It's Grover, not oh. Elmo. There you go. It's fucking Grover. <laughs> 
That's even better. It's even better. Um, I found it, though, so let me know if you want me to play it for you at some point. Please just send it to me. I really want to watch I will, that. I will send it to you. It's it's quite delightful. It kind of reminds me of the SNL skit that's about ghost hunting. It's like one of my old favorite skits. So there's an SNL skit with Hugh Laurie, and it's an older one. So mm-hmm. it's got some of your favorite people in it. Um, but it's got Fred Armisen, it's got Amy Poehler, and they are all in a ghost hunting group, and Hugh Laurie farts, and they all try to <gasps> slow oh, it yes, down. Yes, 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 And this analyze super it. Super funny. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm hearing his name. It's Roger. Roger. And they all are like, oh my god, it's Roger. Like, they all freak out over it. It's the, the idea of suggestion. Mm-hmm. It is strong with this one. Also, we could come up with lots of different funny examples of that. But, um, you know, that's the whole purpose of bringing it up with something like this. Because if mm-hmm. parents are influenced, then they're, they might not even realizing that they're influencing their kids. Oh, absolutely not. Right? Because we don't. It's, it's, it can be really subtle, but it's there. But then there's also, you know, the people that take it a step further. And a, let's say a child's family meets the previous family. And they exchange information. The child then is credited with more specific knowledge about the previous personality's life than he or she may have even expressed. So, like, there's a lot of, like, outside influence that can be involved in this, which makes it kind of a gray area of analysis, if you will. Mm -hmm. But then this is, like, I think my favorite part of it. There's a biological and physical Remnants of a past mm-hmm. life. 35% of children experiencing this phenomena show birthmarks or defects in the place where a person suffered an injury or even death. This is considered the strongest evidence, evidence. of proof. The reason why, because I know Kim, you're like going, hmm, why? Please explain. Um, she has questions. Kim always has questions. Kim always has questions. You can print records. Oh. <gasps> Of Ooh. autopsy reports, yeah, you can. that give us objective um, evidence, evidence, evidence of the wounds of the deceased person once they're identified. So then you can compare the wounds to the birthmark and see mm. do they overlap. Hmm. And Stevenson studied 225 cases that had physical attributes reminiscent of a mark from a past life that matched up there was even a kid that he studied who had a deformed ear and remembered Mm -hmm. being shot in the ear with a shotgun in his past life there was also a child in india that had the memory of a past life where he lost his fingers on his right hand from a chopping machine Ooh. Yeah, not fun. Not uh, fun. And, and he was born with little nubbins for fingers with no bones in his right hand. Mm. This is actually called unilateral brachydactyly. And it's Cuisine so... Tight. Thank you. <laughs> and it's so rare that Stevenson actually couldn't find any other medical publication that was like this. Hmm. So it's weird. It's real. That to me is harder to disprove than like parents like giving information to their kids. Yeah. No, I would agree with you there. Across the world, new threats emerge. Man apes prowl the forests of North America. Giant cephalopods entwine ships in the Pacific. 
man-eating crocodiles gnash unsuspecting swimmers in Australia. But one bureau has you covered with the latest on monstrous shenanigans in your backyard. Tune in, gentle listeners, for breaking news fresh from the teletype. Listen closely, for your lives may depend on it. Turn up the volume. It's time for... The Monsters Report! So, now we're going to get to the good part. Mm. Let's talk about some examples. Let's talk about these cases. Let's. So, in 1961, Stevenson stepped down as a chairman of the department uh, to focus on his research, and he traveled to India and Uh talked to a bunch of people that experienced this phenomena to try to piece Uh together who people were in their past lives. Mm Mm-hmm. One of them, and I apologize in advance, I will be butchering names today. Um, Gopal Gupta was okay. born in Delhi, India, on mm-hmm. August 6, 1956, mm-hmm. to a lower middle class family that mm-hmm. had pretty little education. Um, soon after he could talk, his father asked Gopal to remove a water glass from um, a guest that was over, resulting in Gopal throwing a temper tantrum, breaking the glass and saying, I won't pick it up. I am a Sharma. Sure. Apparently in his past life, he remembered being a Sharma, which is the member of the highest caste Uh in India. And someone of that ranking would not like clean up after somebody else. That's not something that they would do. Uh And this was a little kid. He just learned to talk. Hmm. And all of a sudden, all this information starts coming out about this past life as a Sharma. Mm-hmm. And all of these details are shared. And it basically proved that this past life was of a person who lived in a town nearby mm-hmm. who died just a few years prior. And mm. they were able to contact the family. And they never knew who each other were until they were contacted. And everything checked. Hmm. It was pretty wild. There's a lot more detail to that one. I'm just not going to go into super huge detail with, like, yeah, every yeah, single yeah. case. Hmm. But... Interesting, nonetheless. Also, like, how would a child who just started talking know what a Sharma is and details like that? It's. I will say. Kids are sponges. And will repeat like I, I when I was first living in New York and I just graduated uh, college, I was nannying for a girl at one point who was I don't know if she was even three. She was like two and a half, three years old. And um, I'd pick her up from her daycare and and watch her for a couple hours before her parents got home. And I apparently had said something to her about a song I was going to play for her. And then her parents got home and I didn't have time. And like two months later, she brought it up. Oh, dang. So, I mean, like, and I, and I was thrown because I was like, I don't even remember having this conversation. But also... From the way she described it, I was like, yeah, that's a real song. That was it was some Broadway song that she wouldn't have known of. And <laughs> Is this the Broadway child that we were talking about? It was the song Bushel and a Peck. Oh, I remember. I remember now. I don't know. why. This is like over a decade ago. And yet this is this is now it's clicking back in. She was singing the song. She learned it in like her, her daycare, her preschool, whatever uh-huh. it was. The song Bushel and the Peck, which is from the musical Guys and Dolls, but it was, it was, they were playing it as like a, a nursery song, you know? Sure. The, I love you, a bushel and a peck. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I'd said something like, oh, no, 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 it's from, it's from a play. It's from a musical. I'll play you the song 
and her parents got home or I don't know, maybe I was going to get the CD. I don't even remember that part, but I'd forgotten about it. I think it was a Friday. And again, like two months later, she brings it up. Kids are smart. Kids are smart, but kids like at that age, their brains are absorbing everything around them, even things we don't think they're listening to. So that I, this is my excruciatingly long-winded way of saying that, yes, that is, that would be an unusual word for a child that young to say. That being said, if he heard it, if he heard it in a TV show, if he heard it being spoken, it is possible, not to, not to be that scully. But I mean, it, it, but I knew it. it. Kids are sponges and at that age they're just soaking it all in so it would be weird but i'm not going to put it out of the realm of possibility that a kid heard something and then repeated it back because they do that well the other piece about the detail about gopal was that he would talk a lot about um really high level educated things that his family didn't know anything about Hmm. okay and like one of the things to note is that they were lower middle class with very little education. So where would he have heard this stuff from if his family's not talking about it? So I I do come back to the TV. Okay. Well, we don't know if they had a TV at this point. Yeah, we don't, but, or the radio or I mean, again, something it, I'm not saying this is definitely what happened. I'm just putting it out there as a potential. Like, just just something to be like, oh, kids do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Because they do. That's fair. I get it. I hear you. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to scully. I said Scully's that at the very scully. beginning. I and was again, like, I'm it, ready it, for it. It does not mean, I am not discounting that it also could be some kind of reincarnation thing. I'm just putting it out there as a potential. Oh, look, there, there is also maybe this, but we don't know. And that's where we're bringing it up. Very fair. Very fair. So there was also another uh, dude, Dr. Jim Tucker. He is actually um, now the director of the Division of Perceptual Studies. He wrote a book called Return to Life, Mm -hmm. where he talked about American cases of younger children who remembered previous lives. And this one I'm going to talk about because I feel like I can't do this topic if I don't talk about this. It's a topic that if you've heard about past life memories, you've heard this story before. I just don't know how much you know. And I think that that's when I get excited to talk about something that you might have heard about. Um, And this is the story of James Leninger. Leninger. This was also featured in Life After Death on Netflix. Um, I remember hearing about this on there. It's also been featured on a few different, um, like there's a couple of shows throughout like the Mm -hmm. early 2000s on ABC that, that covered this. Um, but James, do you know, I think, what? Is this yes. the burning plane? Yes. Yeah. This is the yes. burning plane oh, it's one. Weird. Yes. It's wild. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, is what kind of got my brain ticking about even covering this topic and got me curious about it when I first heard about it a while back. Mm-hmm. So James Leninger is the son of Bruce and Andrea Leninger. Um, they are a Protestant couple in Lafayette, Louisiana. And he was born on April 10th, 1998. So Uh kids still kicking. Uh He's around. Um, His first noticeable incident uh, occurred on February 2000 when he was almost two years old. Not quite two yet. Uh And 
his dad took him to the Kavanaugh Flight Museum outside of Dallas. James was fascinated by the planes, but he was extra fascinated by the World War II exhibit. Within the first two months of his trip, James developed a habit of saying, airplane crash on fire. And he had a bunch of toy planes that he got ever since getting obsessed with planes. Uh And he would fly them in a weird pattern around the living room and always crash them into the family's coffee table, which I think is funny. Like, he did this so many times that the coffee table had a bunch of scratches in it. All I can think about is his mom being like, God damn it, James, you're ruining our... We This is why we can't have nice things, you this know? This is why we can't have nice things. You crash a plane into it. But it just was really weird that he kept doing the same move over mm-hmm. and over and over. Because, like, you could get that someone would, like, be like, woo, plane flying through the air, but, like, crashing sure. it into a table a bunch, that uh, seems that, a little... specific. A little odd. Mm-hmm. His parents didn't really think too much of it at first, but around this time, James started to have some nightmares. And it resulted in him screaming like bloody murder and yelling, airplane crash on fire, little man can't get out. It lasted months. Hmm. Again, oddly specific, very weird. He then told his parents that his dreams were actually memories of his past. Hmm. And then he got really, really detailed. His detailed accounts included that his plane was shot by the Japanese Mm. and then crashed and burned. Literally, Hmm. there is a interview with his mom and dad telling Mm -hmm. this story. And his mom is asking him, well, why did the plane crash? And he Uh says, because it was shot. And... Hmm. She goes, well, who who shot the plane? And he was just uh-huh. like, like annoyed, which I thought was funny. He's like, the Japanese, like, duh. Duh. Um, but also, like, again, very specific. Yes. And then it gets more specific. Hmm. He actually identified his plane as a Corsair, which is a fighter plane that was developed during World War II that was meant to be on aircraft carrier ships. Hmm. So specific. What's wild, so while I've been researching this, I've actually, I've been, I'm in Florida right now. I'm visiting my dad, my brother, and my, my niece, my four-year-old niece, who is the perfect age for all this stuff, which is wild. And my dad saw the Corsair, and he was like, oh, I was on a Navy ship that had a bunch of Corsairs. And I was just like, what? This is wild. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're in the armed forces, you know what a Corsair is. Sure. This is a two-year-old who's talking about a Corsair, and he always talked about it. He Mm. literally talked about his plane flying off of a boat, and he even named the boat. It was the Natoma. So Mm. now his dad's like, all right, I've got deets. Google is my friend. Let's look this shit up. Uh-huh. So his father then looks up the Natoma and found the USS Natoma Bay. Uh-huh. It was an escort carrier stationed in the Pacific during World War II. Uh-huh. Now, another thing that was weird that James did was he identified Iwo Jima. Uh. And he was looking at a book that his father had pointing uh-huh. at Iwo Jima saying, that's where my plane was shot down. Ooh, kid. 
You want to freak out your parents? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what you do. <clears throat> and then here's the kicker. He names James Huston by name as the little man in the plane. Mm-hmm. And he names the first and last name of a friend who was on the ship with him. And mm-hmm. he names the location and other speci- like specifications about this fatal crash. That is so wild. Like, this yeah, kid has, bonkers. like, detailed accounts. Like, I'm sorry. I have the worst memory. I don't remember what I ate for breakfast. Like, <laughs> this two-year-old remembers his entire life. This nuts. So his parents are just like, all right, this is nuts. we got to do something about this. So he ev- they eventually discover a close correspondence between James' statements and the death of a 21-year-old World War II pilot named James Huston. However... Um, what's interesting is that in, in June 2002, James's uh-huh. parents were interviewed by ABC News for a program called Strange Mysteries, but it never aired. And there's uh-huh. this article that I found called The Case of James Leninger, an American case of the reincarnation type. And it's a case report. And it was written by Jim B. Tucker, MD. And he actually had access to the interview that was given that never aired. And he published a lot of information on it. In this case study, which I've watched a bunch of stuff about this and none of this is listed in it, which is wild. Hmm. Apparently, at the time of this interview, it was right before um, James Leninger identified James Huston. They were still trying to figure out who it was. Mm -hmm. And the parents thought it might be someone named James Larson. Uh, It sounded like a similar description of what happened to a person with that name. Mm-hmm. But later, his father did more research and actually f- found a closer connection to James Huston, which was then when the kids said James Huston. Mm. And James Huston was one of the eight pilots from a ship who took part in a strike against transport vessels in a harbor nearby Chichijima as the Japanese were preparing a, a buildup troop replacement and uh, supplies. So it was right near Iwo Jima. And his plane actually appears to have crashed exactly as James described it. Mm-hmm. And the kicker is that the person flying right next to him was James Larson. Oh, no way. Isn't that wild? Okay, that's weird. Isn't that nuts? Like, that's, that's super such weird. a wild detail. And I have never heard that about this case before until I found this case study. So I was really excited to share this with you because... I am proud of myself that I found this, and I thought you would be proud of me, too. I am very proud of you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and you know what I love about this story, too, is that um, his mom, James's mom, started acknowledging to him that the events that he was describing were real and didn't mm. try to, like, gaslight him or tell him, like, this is, you're, you're insane. You're being you're crazy. Just, you're being a weird yeah. kid. You know, mm-hmm. you're just saying weird things. And she actually, like, empathized that, you know, it's okay. That was in the past, and you're safe now. You're okay. I was like, oh, what a good mom. That's so sweet. So, you know, James's parents reported that he gave details about his family life Mm -hmm. that were actually confirmed with James Huston's sister in a phone conversation. Ooh. And it was verified with his sister later when someone went back to her and checked. Hmm. That is nuts. That, that is, is that is pretty bonkers. So wild. 
And this is a case, like I know I mentioned it before, that has had a lot of attention. I mean, how could it not? Like, this sure. is very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they told their story in a lot of TV uh interviews that I mentioned, but they also wrote a book about their experience too. I did not read the book, did not have time, but if you want to read it, just look it up. I believe in your Google talents. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's James Leninger. Wild story. Yeah, that's crazy. And um, just the fact that like a lot of the other stories that are talked about are like someone who passed away within the last like decade that were reincarnated, but this is like mm. a 50 year difference. Yeah, that's really interesting. I wonder if there was anything in between. That, you know, we will never know. <laughs> we will never know. This remains unsolved. Mm. Like when I watch Unsolved Mysteries and get mad that there's no resolution at the end. There's no resolution. Then there's Ryan Hammonds. Um, uh-huh. Also, this one's a little bit funny. So um, really stoked to share this story with you. Um, so this one actually, I think was also mentioned in life after death on Netflix. Uh Uh Um, but briefly, very, very briefly, I'm going to give you a little bit more detail. Um, so Ryan Hammonds is an American boy and Uh he actually holds the record for the, um, the record for the number of memories of a previous life that was related before the previous person was identified. So he had the most details. So if we thought the Mm -hmm. last one was detailed, just you wait. He had verifiable memories of being a Hollywood extra and talent agent named Marty Martin. Uh, That's a great name. The best part is that Martin is spelled like Marty with an N. So it's just like Marty Marty. Mm. Uh, Yeah. So that's Marty Martin. And Marty Martin was born Morris Kolinsky. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on May 19th, 1903. Martin was a staunch Republican who really loved Chinese restaurants. He loved the beach and he had an extensive collection of sunglasses. Sure. He also owned a large house with an outdoor swimming pool on Roxbury Drive in Beverly Hills. And he traveled frequently to New York on four occasions Uh, And sailed to Europe on the Queen Mary to visit his sister. And he lived in Paris. This guy just sounds like a good time. It's like, I kind of want to hang out with him. Right? (laughs) That's why I was like, I'm going to give you a fun story. Um, A lot of other people wanted to hang out with him, too, because he actually was married four times um, and had only one daughter of his own uh, with his last wife. He actually had five stepchildren, including three boys who he adopted and named all of them Marty. Sure. Um, and he, he adopted them. That way them. you don't have to remember their names. You just, just say Marty and somebody's going to answer. Yeah, yep. totally. Uh, and he adopted them with his last marriage. And he unfortunately was stricken with leukemia and died in the hospital on December 25th on Christmas 1964 of a cerebral hemorrhage at age 61. Not the best way to go on no. Christmas Day. Not so much. So that was Marty Martin. Ryan Hammonds Uh was born in Muskogee, Oklahoma in 2004. Uh This is a recent one. Uh He actually didn't talk for a while. He uh, had enlarged adenoids. Mm. Uh And so at age four, he had them removed. And that's when all of a sudden he became Chatty Cathy. 
and started to talk in complete sentences and soon started to relate memories that ultimately were identified with Marty Martin. Weird. Yeah. His first comments (laughs) concerned three adopted sons to whom he had given his name, the Martys. He also said he was from Hollywood and just begged his mom. His mom was named Cindy. He begged his mom to take him there so he could see his quote unquote other family. Uh-huh. Cindy's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Ryan also had a fascination with sunglasses. Sure. And said just like was, our friend Marty. And so this is what I think is funny. And said that he was often sunburned in the life that he remembered. <laughs> just like relatable. I yeah. can relate. Um, probably didn't wear enough sunscreen, you know? No. Gotta wear sunscreen. Gotta wear sunscreen. SPF 70, baby. Uh, the peak of Ryan's memories came when he was four, but they continued for years, which is a little different than a lot of the other like stories that we hear about where people kind of stop talking about things at age like five, six. Mm-hmm. He kept going. And sometimes he would awake from nightmares, just screaming. Again, hmm. nightmares. There's Nightmares are a pattern with a lot of these stories. Mm-hmm. And when he would wake up, he didn't remember what he was dreaming about. And sometimes when he got up, he would complain that his chest hurt and he'd be gasping Ooh. for air, which is maybe how he died in his past life. Perhaps. 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 So Cindy, his mom, you could tell she's a good, she would be a good paranormal investigator. You know why? Why? She took notes. She kept a journal. Ooh. And she bullet pointed Every single time something weird happened, whether it was well like done. Right, well done, Cindy. Well um, done, Cindy. Whether it was a memory, uh, whether it was something weird he did, a uh-huh. nightmare, what have you. And she even would take him to look at old photos from the movies in like old Hollywood. Uh-huh. And he identified Marilyn Monroe and a couple other old actors and... There was a book that she brought home one time that actually had pictures um, of a 1932 movie called Night After Night. And in one of the pictures, Ryan found a photo of an actor that he identified as his past self. Uh Now, upon deeper diving, uh, they found out that this was a extra in the movie Uh and nobody could figure out who it was. So Cindy then hires an archivist, a film archivist to evaluate this man and figure it out. And he then identified this man as Marty Martin. At this point, Ryan is six years old and he is flown to LA and he toured all the places that Marty Martin would have frequented. Mm -hmm. And every time he went to a place, he would have some kind of personal commentary about an experience that left very little doubt in the minds of the people that he was with, that he was not Marty. They were like, oh, yeah, this is this is the dude. This is him. Now, the first time that this report was like brought to anyone's attention was in a 2013 book that Jim Tucker wrote Mm -hmm. about this case. And since then, it's actually been studied by a bunch of other researchers. And every time it's studied, something new is developed, which is kind of cool. But that's another weird one. Mm -hmm. Kind of wild. So. This other one is Jillian and Jennifer Pollock. Okay. Does that ring a name or bell? A bell. Well, the 
I mean, yes. <laughs> ring a name. Does it ring a name? <laughs> the Pollock sisters. The Pollock sisters. Yes. Yeah. What do you know about them? There's and there's been at least one book written about them, if if not more. But um, there were were two sisters uh, who were twins, if I'm remembering right, Jacqueline <laughs> and is it Joanne? Oh my God, you are good, but you're so close. But you're you're so so close. Yes, something. They were J names. I very clearly remember that they were J names. Yes. Um, oh no, they weren't twins. They were they were just sisters. Correct. Okay. Uh, I mix up some of my. So that's the thing when you have so many stories in your head. I sometimes cross details from different stories. And my they favorite were, thing is quizzing you on it and seeing what you remember. Seeing what and I remember. Fill in the blanks. God. Oh God. Um, <laughs> They were um, killed in. It was an accident. They were, but it, they were, um, they were walking somewhere, weren't they? Oh my God, Kim, you're so good. Yes. <laughs> this is like me trying. This is like the bush on the back. I let my brain try to like crawl through and pick up uh, uh, what a, what what was in there, and it was. Um, uh, they were English. They were British. They were British, British sisters. Uh, and the, I don't know, what was this, the 50s or 60s? I'm just giving you a nice applause um, <laughs> because I'm just going to fill in the blanks for you now okay, because yeah, you're doing do, such I'm, a I'm good like, job. To, who tried to pull these my, details out? And I'm like, my shit, what were Kim, some of these? Kim Delphit's brain is covered in it. I love it. <laughs> I just knew you'd know about this one. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Born as identical twins on October 4th, 1958, Jillian and Jennifer Pollock claimed to remember the lives of their older sisters, Joanna and Jacqueline. Good job. That's it. 11-year-old Joanna and 6-year-old Jacqueline were unfortunately killed by a car that crashed into them while they were walking on May 5th, 1957, a year prior. Mm. Their grief-stricken parents, John and Florence Pollock, had conflicting opinions on reincarnation. Mm. John was a molder. Florence was a scully. John moldered so hard that he even asserted that the two deceased daughters would be reborn as twins. That's why I had twins in my head. And then came along Jillian and Jennifer. Twins. It's a lot of J names. Jillian is with a G. You can spell Jillian with a J, though. So, I mean, like, you're going with the sound, obviously, but I've seen Jillian spelled with a J. That is true. You're not wrong. When not, she's right, she's right. Not the goddess Jillian Anderson herself. She spells it with a G. You know, and that's the first person I thought of, which is why I had to use a Scully reference. It's absolutely. So Jennifer was the younger twin, mm-hmm. and she actually had two birthmarks that corresponded in location and size to two marks that Jacqueline also had on her body mm. in the exact same places. Okay, that's weird. Pretty weird. Mm-hmm. The twins often spoke of the lives of the sisters that they allegedly had never met mm-hmm. and recognized objects, recognized mm-hmm. toys of theirs. And before you say the parents planted the info, I'm going to scully it. Okay. That's because that's, knew- that's, that's where I go, especially if you have a mom or no, it was the dad who was the molder. If you've got a dad who's like, eh, well, Consciously or not, but yes, please, please to Scully. Apparently the Pollocks never spoke of the other sisters to their new kids ever. I mean, but okay. Allegedly. Yeah. I mean, not to be that guy, but like, okay. So they said they didn't. 
allegedly. This is like the boy whose dad's like he died and he saw the light and he wrote a book about it with his dad. And then when the kid was 18, he was like, yeah, it was all bullshit. My dad made me do that. Not again, not that I'm saying this is what happened. I'm just saying when all you have to go on is a is them like, no, we never told them. We never told them about them. Okay. And even if they told them about them, some of the details that are described by the twins are so detailed that it seems strange. So, for example. Did they still have these toys? The, the, the toys that were the younger or the, the deceased kids' toys? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it was, they recognize yeah. them. Right. But that's what I mean. Like, they were in the house with them. Yes. So, like, that was your sister's toy. And now they can talk about it. I don't. I mean, like, That's if it's still one. there, of course they're going to give details on it. It's, like, right in front of them. I could, I could give a discussion of this delightful octopus that's angry toy right now and tell you all about it because it's right in front of me. That, that's fair. However, here's the strange thing. After, okay. the, Doctor um, after the sisters died, they moved and they went to a different city. Okay. And the sisters are the ones that had passed, liked a certain park that they would always go to. And mm -hmm. the parents took the new kids, the new the twins, to their sister's favorite park in the, mm -hmm. their old city. And they were visiting. And they, like, got really excited to go and recognized it. And they were like, oh, my gosh, I love this place. It's my favorite place. Mm -hmm. But they'd never been there before. So that was a little weird. But, I mean, again, to your point. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe they were told. We don't know the details. Now, what's interesting about this particular case is that later in life, they completely forgot about their sister's existence and that they were part of them. Allegedly. I mean. Allegedly. No, I just. I, God, I feel like such an asshole sometimes. Um. I don't want to discount that this could be a case of reincarnation, but when you have uh, the fact that dad so desperately wanted to believe this does make me wonder again, consciously or not what he may have been putting on them. And that as know. they got older and more able to, I don't know that maybe I, it, okay okay I mean I, this is one I always feel kind of weird about like there's some stuff yeah. that I think is genuinely weird but I also feel like the evidence evidence is for the most part like secondhand stories yeah which you know Kim's opinion on that that's yep. not evidence that's anecdotal but it's not evidence, evidence. it's weird but it's not evidence and that's why we're talking about it. So, uh, about it. I mean, I think when you compare them to other ones, like this compared to James, I think I James would think is more like, compelling. Oh, way more compelling. Yeah. Um, even though for this one, I think it's really bizarre about the birthmarks. That's that's pretty weird. But yes and no at the same time, though, because again, they're related. So that's true. You know, it's funny. I just thought of this. I actually have a beauty mark on the bottom of one of my feet in the same spot that my mom has one and i have a beauty mark on the cheek 
around the same spot my brother has one. I mean, that's... Mm. Spooky. I, not as spooky as loving sunglasses. <laughs> Science. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's it's um I because again I I know the story. I've not done a deep dive on the story. I didn't realize how fervently Dad believed this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that to me is the thing that makes my my Scully sense tingle. Yep, like Spidey and, Sense, but Scully Sense. But Scully Sense. Um, because, again, consciously or not, you're now on like he Before they were even born, this was in his brain. Yep. And that tells me from the moment they're born, you've got two little girls with J-sounding names that he thinks are his deceased daughters. That's going to impact the raising of said daughters. I always wonder about the mom because she was so scully. Sure. But how, how would that affect it too? You know, like I feel like to your point earlier, this could be a topic that we do an entire episode on. Yeah, There's um, a lot to cover here. The yeah. full, again, I know there's at least one book that's been written on them for sure. And again, I am not going deep dive on every single thing. No, Otherwise no, we'd be absolutely. here forever. Yes. But couldn't talk about this topic Without talking about no. the Pollock sisters. So. They're, they're one of the cases that gets brought up when you talk about reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... it's uh, well, because also with the birthmark thing, it was a scar, wasn't it, right? There was it a was scar, scar and then there was a birthmark. There were I two. Mean, again, like, some people just have birthmarks. So being like, well... You know, she had a scar on her forehead. She also has a birthmark on her forehead. That starts to get into the things you're... When you're looking for... Something. Something. You're Mm -hmm. going to find it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, for me, is... I was looking for something. Yeah, I mean... Roger! It goes back to that. Same. It does. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Same thing. So... uh, I, I, now this is one I actually would be interested in doing a full episode on at some point to, yeah. to really deep dive it and, and, and go both sides of it, but go, go Scully, go Mulder on it. Um, but, but for me, this has never been one that, I mean, didn't, yeah. Cause like mom almost divorced him. Mm-hmm. Cause mm. yeah. And that's, I mean, telling. But also, there could be other problems that are going on that we don't know anything about. Sure, sure, sure. And the death of children is is something that that's that traumatizing. Can, it's insanely traumatizing. Yeah. But like, if if every day my husband is like, our daughters are the reincarnation of our deceased daughters. You're gonna and like get just out. Like, I just want to move on with my life and our children. And. It, uh, and I feel like an asshole saying this, but like again, because they, they they were born so fairly soon after. Yeah, it was the next year. Yeah, so this is a man who is still very much processing his grief. Oh, and so is the mom. And so is the mom, but if he is processing his grief, to me, the fact that they hit a point where they were no longer talking about this is actually really interesting and fairly telling. 
Yeah. Because our other cases we've talked about, that has not been the case. That's true. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Good point. Way so, to go, Scully. Uh, Scully's got a Scully. Scully's, Scully's got to like crush people's dreams and make them hate themselves or well, just myself. You know, that's why we get along. Um, it is. It is. Okay. So this next one is more under the topic of gender, which I think is uh-huh. really compelling because I can't wait for you to scully it. That's, oh God. that's where I'm at for this one. <laughs> all right. All right. Hit me. So there's actually been a couple of cases in Stevenson's books that talk about gender and question gender and reincarnation. Sure. Um, which I found to be incredibly intriguing. So there's the case of Aaron Jackson, Aaron, E-R-I-N, not A-A-R-O-N, Aaron like a girl Aaron, um, who was born in 1969 in Indiana and who at age four spoke about a previous life as a boy, quote, when I was called John, end quote, hmm. and preferred to wear boyish clothes and engage in masculine activities uh, while also commenting on how rural the country used to be and how much better it was before it had all this development, which hmm. I think sounds like such a thing a grandpa would say, which I think is funny coming from like a four-year-old girl. Um, you know, that's a little telling. She uh-huh. also could read fluent, like really well by age three and compose poems that seemed like they were written by someone much older. Huh. A little strange. Huh. This one didn't have as much, like, evidence, evidence, evidence. but was weird. Just yeah, a little that weird, was, that, right? That was pretty weird. And I, these, these two are just kind of, like, brief brushings over of, like, specific cases without getting too in-depth. Mm-hmm. There was also a case of Ma Tin Ong Myo, mm-hmm. a Burmese girl born in 1953, okay. who showed a phobia of airplanes and mm. would cry for Japan, mm. like would be very sad about Japan, claiming to have been a Japanese soldier in World War II, mm. stationed in Burma, mm. and killed by an Allied airplane. Mm. There's a lot of cases that have like phobias of things that were influenced from like a, a tra- traumatizing event from a past life, and this is a good mm-hmm. example of that of like being scared of planes if a plane killed her, you know, or mm-hmm. killed him. Um, now, she also, I think this is funny because I could see, like, three-year-old Kim being angry about something. Um, but she also expressed anger toward the British and Americans at age three. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm often angry at the British and Americans. I'm just often angry, period. Uh, <laughs> That's true. It's just full stop. I am often angry. Angry octopus. Um, I'm an angry octopus, motherfucker. Yes. So she also um, exhibited extreme boyish behavior, air quotes. Mm-hmm. She wore her hair in boys' style and also wore boys' clothing. <sighs> Except she never outgrew it. She literally, like, as an adult, was wanting to continue in wearing men's clothing. She never wanted to get a husband, but she yeah, wanted well. a wife. Fair. Fair. Um, And she thought of herself as a man and hated being called a woman. Mm, Fair. Do you want to scully this or you want me to scully this? I'm going to let you. I I appreciate your your scully muscles that you've been flexing. People are non-binary. People can be whatever they want to be. 
Yeah. Both of these times were in time periods where that was not accepted. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I it's kind of a... a interesting way to to potentially find acceptance of being like i am uh, reincarnated and i remember i have these i'm like awesome great if this is and again it's not to say that somebody isn't reincarnated i'm just i'm just saying if i was trying to find a way to to potentially justify it this may actually be something that some people would find acceptable in yeah in society yeah for sure um I just found this to be really interesting from an analytical perspective in this day and age to look back uh-huh. at it and evaluate yeah. it. No, it is, it's, 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 it, it is really interesting. And there were only like, I think eight cases that, and don't quote me on the amount, I don't remember, sure. but something like eight cases that um, Stevenson went into. And so two of these cases were these two cases. So mm-hmm. I found that also to be really interesting that he chose to talk about these specific cases. Um, but yeah, you know, you gender doesn't define you. You could be a girl, a boy, you could be whatever, a they, a them, a non-binary, you could be whatever you want to be, whatever makes you happy. And if you need to use reincarnation as your excuse, you do you, boo. Um, or, or again, there's a way to find acceptance with, with some people. Yeah. Absolutely. I yeah. support it. I think it's great. Oh, yeah. Um, also, I just think it's funny that a three-year-old had like really rad poetry. Um, I do dig that. Right. Uh Now, I think my favorite part of the book uh, Uh was talking about the weakest evidence for reincarnation. (laughs) (laughs) This is is a book after my own heart. (laughs) Can you guess what it is? The weakest evidence? Uh Uh-huh. Um... Probably not, but it's okay. Probably not. Just no, no, I'm, like, I'm not sure. That. I haven't read the book, so I don't know. Past life readings. Oh, God. Have you ever had a past life regression or reading or anything like that, Dan? Uh, no, I've never had a past life reading. I used to have weird dreams. but Oh, like what? I went through a period when I was a teenager. And to be fair, this did coincide with my obsession with the French Revolution. So what came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, no, I went through a period when I was a teenager where I kept dreaming about the guillotine and getting my head chopped off. But That's like, so on brand this, for you. I know. Well, and this was also, I was obsessed with the Scarlet Pimpernel. I loved that book. Uh, this was like, I was early teenager. My history teacher, when I was in like eighth grade, read it to us on our, we had at my junior high school, we had um, Deer, Drop Everything and Read. Did you guys do that? Was mm-hmm. that a thing for you? Oh, I loved it. It was great. Because I, I, I'm a reader. You know this about me. I'm a reader. Yeah. When I was a kid, my brother and I, like my mom would reward us with books. Um, if we got a basket at the basketball game, we got a book. Uh, we, I got crystals. <laughs> see, I, we all have our things. But like we were, we, were, we were readers. We were readers. I just plowed through books. And so um, I loved it. But my history teacher, because it, it coincided it was a certain time every day and it coincided with my history class. And it was like, I don't know, 20 minutes, but he used to read. It happened during his class and he would read for anyone who maybe wanted to listen to a book instead, which was kind of ingenious. And I didn't initially start listening, but I, I, at some point my attention got caught by the book, the Scarlet Pimpernel. And I became obsessed. I read the book. There's a whole series um, of, of books that were written by the author. I read, uh, I read all of them. I, I watched Every movie, there was a musical. I went, my parents took me to see the musical at, I think it was the Fifth Avenue Theater. 
Uh, I was absolutely obsessed with the French Revolution. I read books then on the French Revolution. I wanted to know all about it. Mm -hmm. And so it was around this time. Well, no, I was a little older. I was in high school by the time I started having the dreams. Uh, But no, I kept having this kind of recurring dream about getting my head chopped off, chopped off in the French Revolution. Uh, Yeah. I don't know why I think it's so funny. That I was that I was dreaming about my head getting chopped off. Yeah, I just it's funny because <laughs> it I know might you. Come back, like, because I get weird about neck things too. Like somebody grabs my neck, and I'm like, oh, I God. wonder if like you're remembering your past life and you were decapitated in the French Revolution, and that's why you love it so much. Or I just read a fuck ton of books about the French Revolution <laughs> when I was a moody teenager. <laughs> Fair. I mean, but that's that. But again, like, what came first? Well. You you could kind of go either way. I I was in like eighth grade when I got obsessed with this, and I was probably a sophomore in high school when I started having these dreams. So it's you know. still fun to think about, though. Oh no, it is. I was when I was a teenager. I definitely thought that I had died during the French Revolution. Like I I full uh, no this is a little little like dramatic Kim little drama major dramatic Kim um walking around with her drama friends being like I was definitely in the French Revolution I definitely died during the French Revolution guys that checks that makes so much sense knowing who you mm-hmm. are now truly yep but like you know again but and that comes back to some of the things when we're talking about the the Pollock sisters where I'm like they kind of gave that up I'm like. The those who were very convinced this is what was happening to them did not. And they did. And that to me says that it was maybe more about dad's grief than it was about an actual reincarnation. But that's neither here nor there. I mean, you bring up a valid point because a lot of paranormal things that we talk about actually have to do with mental health. Yeah. And they they actually have to do with people who are trying to cope with something. And bless like i um i always think about that scene in um oh was it awakening the the movie with rebecca hall and i yeah uh this isn't a spoiler because this is the very beginning of the film um where she's at a seance mm-hmm. and she's there to debunk that the seance is happening and she does but that one of the women who was there to find out about her dead, I don't know, I think son, maybe it was a dead child, mm-hmm. goes over and slaps her when it gets, when she reveals it was all fake. Because real or fake, it was bringing her comfort. Right. And it just got destroyed. Mm-hmm. So there's something to be said, you know, when I remember when I, when I was going through my divorce, um, the medium at Spooked, uh, who's a great guy and, and fascinating um, he had given me a reading. He threw the bones. And man, believe in it or don't, it hit me. And I needed to hear the things he said. And I took it in, in a way that I needed to hear. So, uh, you know, I, I'm all about if, if you find comfort and if you have a psychic and you find comfort in that, if you get your tarot cards read and you find comfort in that real or not if it's helping you it doesn't matter where i get scully or where i get to be a dick is if somebody's taking advantage of you yeah or with some of the the celebrity ones who are again some of the tv psychics that are 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 taking things a step further and genuinely like manipulating people that's a really different situation but if if you were using this to to work through it and find comfort it doesn't really matter if it's real or not it's helping 
Amen, Scully. Amen. That's my soapbox, friends. Scully out. Freaking men. Well, I'm so excited to read this part to you because I I put it at the end as a nice closer. Um, Stevenson said, there's no proof. (laughs) History (laughs) is known and readings often revolve around large historic events. Like, it's what you know. Like, people literally use past life regressions around large events like the French Revolution Uh (laughs) and decapitation in Kim's dreams. Um, And this is a direct quote. I find it surprising that most persons who have had one past life reading seem to have had no more. If they tested the one reader, quote unquote, against others, they might quickly wish to have their money back, end quote. (laughs) That is some shade. (laughs) Love. So it's kind of, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's kind of like tarot readings, psychic readings. Heck, even astrology, man. Yeah. Like. Oh, absolutely. Don't murder me, listeners. I love me some astrology. But so like, do I. Is it actually legit? Like, I literally took an astronomy class in college where they debunked astrology. Like, they yeah. literally, like, showed you where the stars are in the sky and said every thousands of years they move. And then you're no longer in the same map that you think you're in. But you can pry co-star from my cold, dead hand. Oh, absolutely. I just screenshot it and sent it to a couple friends today to be like, it's real. It's it real. I swear it. Yeah. No, it's one again. I you, you, I like reading my horoscope. I love co-star. Those of you who don't know, co-star is Oh, an it's app. so fun. It's delightful. And it's it's it never says something that's not already on my mind already. So it's 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 just. Getting reinforcing, like, yeah, no, I should be paying attention to this. And now the universe is telling me that. Also, my favorite part of CoStar are the icebreakers. Um, yeah. <laughs> my icebreaker today is it's supposed to be how your friends or how you respond to, quote, I miss you. When someone says, I miss you, you say, haha, sorry, lost all my contacts. Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I love CoStar. Um, and my favorite is my husband's is just booked a ticket and picked out our wedding ring. See you tomorrow for the ceremony. So, you know, it's it's wow. very, very entertaining. Um, uh, that's uh, what's oh, see now I want to say what's mine. Um, I don't know. Look it up and I'll edit it to make it go close together. When someone says I miss you, you say I miss you more, you crazy bitch. <laughs> that's so accurate. See, that guys, CoStar is not sponsoring us, but CoStar, if no. you would like to sponsor us, we're all for it. Please, please join it us. It calls me out. There's so many times I've been reading my CoStar and I'm like, okay, I'm being called. I'm like, you desire real closeness right now. Nothing fake, nothing superficial. The only way to get there is with patience. You can trust your process. You know what mine says today? What? It's going to be okay. <laughs> Yeah, CoStar knows us. It or knows. again, it our knows. subconscious knows what it needs. Yes, truly. So having said that, bringing it back to Stevenson, he established the Division of Perceptual Studies in um, 1967 at the University of Virginia to conduct studies of parapsychology and life after death. And in 1997, he then published a 2,268-page book called reincarnation and biology and you know we we know that he passed in 2007 sure but he made this his life and like Mm -hmm. if we didn't have him we wouldn't have everything we just talked about today Mm -hmm. so kim what do you think you think uh past life memories are a real thing 
or uh, you think it's all? No, I I wouldn't discount it. Um, I think there's enough questions about what happens after you die. I think there's there's a lot of weird stuff and and I'm open to it. Um, Like anything, I just, you know, I support someone's own individual experiences. It's it's uh, it's like with some of the paranormal stuff when we mm-hmm. start throwing it out there as absolute fact, and it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with taking a step back and looking at it, you know, objectively. But no, I absolutely support the idea of uh, reincarnation, and I don't know. It's kind of nice to think about that. It, it's it's not just a Tony Soprano end where suddenly the screen goes black, right? Yeah. That's a spoiler alert for The Sopranos, but if you haven't seen it at this point, what um, are you even doing with yourself? Yeah, what are you doing with your life? Um, yeah. I, I, I concur. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are certain cases I want to scully and there are certain cases I can't. Yeah, no, absolutely. Or, or certain cases where I don't need to, if right. that makes sense. There's too much evidence. 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 Yeah. Fair. But yeah, if you guys want to look into this further, by all means, go wild. But uh, this was kind of our quick overview of uh, Ghoul Shimensis doing Mm -hmm. quick overview, air quotes, um, of past life regression. (laughs) Not past life regression. Don't do that. That's Don't do it. Uh, If you want to do it, do it. Just like don't get too excited. Um, And this brings us to... Critics Corner, Creepy Critics Corner. Kim, what you watching? Uh, so, and in fact, it, it's airing tonight. So by the time this episode comes out, the first episode for the third season will have aired. I have been rewatching Motherland Fort Salem because the third season and the final season is premiering tonight on Freeform. Ooh. I love this show and, and rewatching. It's the first time I've done a full rewatch of seasons one and two. Um, rewatching it is reminding me how freaking good it is. Nice. And, and I love freeform shows. And, you know, I, I think sometimes people kind of discredit it as being a like, oh, it's like teen shows or whatever. They're good, man. They have done a lot of really quality television shows. And um, what I love about this one is that they've built a really elaborate and rich kind of mythology mm-hmm. and the whole premise of the show. I think I've talked about the show before in creepy critics corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the premise of the show is that back during the revolutionary war, that, that witches are real and that um, Sarah Alder uh, made an agreement with the colonists that she and her fellow witches would fight for them in the revolution for like acknowledgement and freedom. And essentially what they do is, is that these female witches take control of the military. So if you are a female witch, when you turn 18, you have mandatory service into the armed forces Oh dang. and you make up and it's this whole matriarchy that, that really the entire country is built around and the entire world of the witches is built around this matriarchy. So like one of the characters has three dads, <laughs> Because mom is the powerful one and dads are the, you know, you're there basically to provide sperm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's it's really fascinating because they've created this very elaborate history and you kind of just dive into it. And I love a show that doesn't try to explain too much, that pulls you in and and has this universe that's created that where they've obviously spent a lot of time 
coming up with it. And it, it's a really interesting look, too, at the armed forces, at, you know, there's this kind of terrorist subgroup called the Spree um, that is is uh, doing these, these domestic terrorist attacks, and they're witches who are doing this against mostly non-witches. Uh, but it's it's... I don't know. It, it, it's one of those shows where I'm like, I feel like more people should be talking about it and watching it. It's got great queer representation. It's got great representation of, uh, you know, you have some some wonderful uh, uh, characters of color and and um, uh, even body diversity. Like it's it's just That's a, cool and just mostly really fucking awesome female characters. Nice. I need to watch it. I haven't um, seen it. It's I I absolutely love it. And so the third season premieres tonight and it's going to be the final season. And and it's it's pretty exciting. Nice. Uh, I also um, actually what I'm going to be recommending is a book. Ooh. Um, I have been reading this book called Fantastic Lands. Oh. And the premise of the book and it's it's a little bit in the vein of um, World War Z where you're looking at an event that happens and, and somebody compiled all these like interviews and stories from it. Um, Fantastic land is essentially a, a kind of Disneyland style theme park in Florida. Mm-hmm. And at the start of the book, what you know is that you, somebody has compiled all these interviews of an event that happened at Fantastic land during a hurricane that this horrible hurricane hit. And for five weeks, the employees at Fantastic Land were stuck in the theme park. Oh, dang. That's scary. And it devolves into this, like, Battle Royale Lord of the Flies situation. Oh, dang. And progressively, as the novel goes on, it gets kind of more and more horrifying. And it's all put together through various interviews, mostly. Um, so you're reading interviews from characters from from people who were stuck in Fantastic Land or people who were almost stuck in Fantastic Land. Um, the the novel is written by Mike Bakovin. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's it's fiction. Obviously, this has not really happened. But it's <laughs> like, it's really? I'm a sucker for this style. I love this style. It reminds me of like a found footage horror film a little bit. But man, it was a really great read. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I've been going to one of my favorite local spots to sit and drink wine and and read it when I have some downtime. And uh, I liked it enough. I thought I'd give it a shout out. We don't give enough fiction books. I don't feel like a shout out. So so That's you get true. you get. Uh, kind of different creepy critics corner what about you gabby what you've been consuming well i've been consuming the book that was non-fiction fair, <laughs> allegedly, fair, fair, fair. Uh, allegedly that we talked about at the beginning of this episode so i'll use that as one of my things but i love that we're both talking about books mm-hmm. nice yours is sounds way more fun than the one that i read i um, can lend it to you if you'd like i might take you up on that um mm. there is a show that i've been watching called god's favorite idiot with <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. That sounds like your kind of show. <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, it's basically about, I, I forgot Melissa McCarthy's husband's name, but he's also an actor and he's in a bunch of movies that she's been in. And he mm-hmm. plays the main character that like basically randomly gets struck by lightning and given like um, like powers from God to spread the word of God during <laughs> a um, fight between, you know, 
Lucifer and God on who is going to take over the world. Um, and like, no one will believe him. And Melissa hmm. McCarthy is like trolling him a bunch of the times. And the jokes are very funny. Um, but also, I think it's really well written. Um, it's one of those uh, shows that has it, it's a little slow at times, but I think from a storytelling perspective is interesting. So mm-hmm. I want to keep watching it. Sure. But yeah. it's also not so like brain twisting that you have to pay attention the whole time. You know what I mean? That's fair. It's something yeah, you could watch absolutely. and like do something else. But I think it's pretty good. I like it. Okay. But I haven't really been watching uh, much else. Well, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you haven't checked us out on uh, Patreon, we have a Patreon. It's a good time. There's some fun stuff on there. You should check us out. Also, anywhere you want to look us up on social media, I promise you will find us. But our show notes are going to be at ghoulishtendencies.com. All of our show notes, um, references, things of that nature, and all of our episodes are there as well. And if you like what we do, go on over to Apple Podcasts and rate review give us a good one please thanks um and spotify also does similar thing oh yeah i forgot about that yeah so you know just give us a little bit of love we'd love to hear it it makes our day um it really does truly (laughs) and tell your friends um having said that thank you for listening and stay